we're uh, continuing our teaching series on influence, and, and tonight's theme is, is the fourth part to this. It's kind of the fourth requirement that if we're going to have an influence on people, it's that we have to say something. So before I say anything, I want us to pray for a moment so that uh, hopefully I have the right things to speak and say this evening. God, we thank you for this opportunity to be together. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to, to pursue questions with you, to ask for your guidance and your direction. God, we just pray that this evening we would hear your voice speaking to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So it is human nature to desire to influence others. We do it all the time. Sometimes it's very subtle. Sometimes it's overt. I mean, it's the reason why some people become teachers or coaches, leaders or counselors. They intentionally know they want to influence others. And they take great joy in that. They find incredible um, joy and achievement and accomplishment when they can influence the lives of other people. God has called us on a mission of influence. For those of us who say we are followers of Jesus, his last words to the disciples was a mission of influence. It's found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you wrap all that up, Jesus was telling them, I want you to be influencers of everyone you come in contact with. I want you to influence them with the way you live, but also with the things you say. I want you to teach others what you've learned from me. So if we're followers of Jesus, we are influencers. That's our calling. And as we began this series, we said, well, the first step to influence others is that we have to start with love. That people will know if you, if you love them, they will give you an opportunity to influence their lives. If they know you don't love them, you probably have almost no shot. But love is the starting point that the reason I want to influence your life, the reason I want to move you from point A to point B is because I love you. In Corinthians, Paul stated it this way, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal without love. He came to the conclusion that it didn't matter what he said, didn't matter what he did, if it wasn't founded in love. And that was where we started. So the people that we want to influence, do we love them? And we have to do a little bit of gut checking and soul searching about that. Love is indispensable, but it's not enough. Which led us to week two, the second requirement for influence, which was integrity. Or character. That, you know, it's who we are when no one else is looking. It's one thing that, hey, you put on a great show in public, but, but behind the scenes, behind the closed doors, with your own family, with your tightest friends, is there integrity? 
does your character show through? And Doug talked about that influence does not require being liked. I mean, that's true in my life. There are people that influenced me that I really didn't like at that time. But influence is dependent upon respect. If we lose other people's respect, we will lose their respect. They will lose their influence on us. Which brought us to the third part for influence, which influence is inconvenient. If we're going to influence people, we have to be inconvenienced. We have to be willing to put ourselves out. We need to be willing to go the extra mile to take time away from our own lives to impact others. That saying, it's all about me, gets flipped upside down. It's all about you. And I'll do whatever it takes to love you and to care for you and support you and influence your life. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8, we looked at this last week, that Jesus came to earth, emptied himself, became a servant, died on the cross because he wanted to influence into a relationship with God. And the inconvenience of that, the suffering, the pain that Jesus went through because he wanted to influence us. Which leads us to this week. And, and we've titled this one, Say Something. That if we are going to influence people, it's not enough just to have integrity. It's not enough just to love someone. It's not enough to be inconvenienced. But when you get to the next step, you've got to say something. Now, we do this all the time outside of the faith environment. Guys will do this all the time. I mean, guys, if they have a great mechanic, you know, they will tell their friends about him. Hey, I've got this mechanic. He can do anything. He can fix anything. He's amazing. You should go see him. You should try using him. He's awesome. If we see a great movie, we'll tell our friends, oh, this movie was amazing. You have to go see it. The stunts were unbelievable. The graphics were great. If we have a great restaurant we like and somebody says, hey, I need somewhere to go for dinner, we'll tell them all about it. But I've noticed there's a flip side. There are some areas where guys are completely silent. See, we share when we want others to have a great experience with us. We want them to experience the same thing we've already had. But when we're silent, it's because we're holding back. Like that great fishing spot for the walleye. We don't want to tell them about that because there's only so many walleye. I had a friend the other couple weeks ago telling me about how he spent his afternoon. He was searching for morel mushrooms. Oh, I found this great, great place for morel mushrooms. I got an entire bag. And that's where he stopped. Not like, hey, and would you like to go get some? Hey, would you like to know where? No, but I found this great spot, and it's mine. Or for the hunters in the room, you know, you got your deer stand, and hey, that's my turf. Don't anybody else come there. It reminds me a lot of, of a TV show when I was growing up. It was called Hogan's Heroes. One of the people in it was Sergeant Schultz, and his famous line was, I know nothing. And I will say nothing. 
And that was kind of his theme, that I'm not going to go out there and say anything. I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm not going to go out there. I'm just going to be silent. Now, I try to think about this for women, and you know what? Women don't share their secrets with me, so I don't know what they are. So you guys can talk later about you know, what you do share with each other and what you don't share with each other, because it's a mystery to me. But we give up opportunities of influence when we're silent. When we choose silence instead of speaking, we give up the opportunity to influence the people around us. Last week, Doug put these people on the board. Our neighbors, coworkers, students, family, friends, people I don't even like, um, people that I don't know I'm about to meet that are in the future. But if we choose to be silent, we will lose out an opportunity for influence. Last week, I had, had one of those moments. I was in the grocery store at Walmart. It was the last week for Food and Friends, and we were finishing up packing the, the 60 bags for the kids on weekends for lunch, and we decided to do something a little bit special. And, and we sent home big jars of peanut butter and jelly to kind of last them for a little bit longer than just that weekend. So while I'm at Walmart, I am just clearing out their peanut butter aisle. I mean, I've got 60 jars of peanut butter in my cart, and, and this woman comes up next to me, and she goes, you like peanut butter? <laughs> no, I start explaining, you know, it's not really for me, it's for a bunch of children, and, and, and you know, they're going in backpacks and all this, and she says, oh, that's really amazing, that's awesome. And she left. So she continued her shopping. I finished up picking up some other items I had to get. But when we got to the aisle to pay, she was directly in front of me. So she paid for all of her groceries, and, and then it was my turn, and she stayed there. So all I could think of was, she just wants to see how much money I'm going to spend on peanut butter. So, so I, I'm going through and ringing it all up, and it's time to pay for it. And, and she whips out a credit card. And says, can I pay for that? And I paused, and I went, oh, it's a lot of, you know, it was a lot of peanut butter. I'm like, I, I felt bad. She goes, no, I, I think it'd be awesome to pay for that. I go, well, thank you. And, and she paid for it. And, and I stopped her. She was just going to leave. But I stopped her, and I said, um, are you from around here? You know, just I, I just got to ask. And so then she shared she was from a church. And I sat there and I thought, you know, she, she missed an opportunity. You know, if it wasn't, you know, I'm from a church and I'm a pastor of the church, so it's okay. But if I would have just been somebody else, the next step would have been, hey, and the reason I bought the peanut butter is because not just because you guys are just doing something cool, but, but I'm following Jesus too. That was what was missing. When we choose to be silent, we miss out on that opportunity for influence. So the question we have to ask ourselves is why? Why do we choose silence? Why do we choose not to speak? And, and, and it's true for me. There's moments when I know this is when I'm supposed to say something, and yet I am dragging my feet, or I'm, I'm giving up the opportunity. And I've come to one conclusion. It's all based on fear. The reason I'm often silent 
is fear. Fear of conflict, fear of being misunderstood, fear of being rejected, fear of being embarrassed, you know, and, and feeling inadequate. So I don't speak when probably I should speak. I don't have that courageous moment that God opened up for me. I think that's true for lots of us. There's a man in the Old Testament, Jonah, who, who really didn't want to say something at one point in his life. He was one of the minor prophets of God. He was given a mission by God. And, and we're going to pick up his, his, his life events in, in Jonah chapter 1 and 2. The Lord gave Jonah this message. I know it'd be great if God did this with me. You know, wouldn't it be great if he did this with you? If you go, Doug, I have a message for you to share. That'd be so nice, so awesome, or a mission for you to go on. But he says, I've got a message for you, Jonah, son of Amite. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. What a great message. You guys are awful. God is so angry with you. But here's what Jonah did. He got up. He went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. And he went down to the port of Joppa. Now, when we read that, we're kind of like, really? I mean, all you got to do is tell them bad. Where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. In other words, I don't want to say something. I'm going to do everything in my power not to say something. Let me show you what that looks like. There is Joppa, where he started. All he had to do was go up the coastline to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, which had conquered all the land in the Middle East, and he was supposed to tell them, that they were wicked people. Instead, he gets on a boat and goes to Tarshish, which is really Spain. I mean, he, it's as far as he can possibly go in the known world at that time. Because he made the choice, I don't want to say something. But saying something is so important. When we speak, there's power. The spoken word has power, and we've experienced it. We know that. I found this great quote, and I want you to tell me where you think it's from. Words are powerful because they carry energy, sound, and frequency, which are some of the building blocks of matter. Words are like swords because they can be used to, in a way, words are more powerful than swords for the reason that they can harm or heal you at the deepest levels of your being. Where do you think that's from? Any guesses? That great magazine of virtue and wisdom, the Huffington Post. But the writer was on to something. The writer was on to something, that there is power in our words. She took parts of what we recognize from the Bible, right? The word of God is like a sword. She says, well, words are like a sword. 
And she goes on to say the very same thing, that they can cut to the heart. So if God has called us on a mission, which we saw in Matthew 20, what are we supposed to say? When we get that opportunity, what, what should we say? We've loved the person thoroughly. We've used integrity in our life. We've allowed ourselves to be inconvenienced for this moment. What do I say? What comes next? I want to give you three different opportunities for us to speak. The first is to speak encouragement. To speak encouragement to others is powerful. It happens all the time in sports settings. I mean, you'll see a team huddle up together at a timeout or at halftime, and, and they will talk about, hey, we're down, but we're not out of this. We can get back into it. I would have loved to have seen the talk after the third game between the Cavaliers and Warriors that the Cavs had. They'd just been hit three times in a row. The Warriors have not lost a game in the postseason. They're on the verge of elimination. I have no idea what was said or who said it, but anybody know what happened last night? Cavs came out and scored the most points in a first quarter in the history of the NBA. They went on to win the game. Now, I have no idea, but I'm telling you, somebody said something either after game three or before game four to the effect of we are better than this. We are not going to be swept. We are not going to be part of the history books for the Warriors. We got this. We can do this. Words are powerful. Paul said words are powerful for us. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. We're supposed to be looking for opportunities to encourage others. Looking for opportunities to affirm someone else. There's a really old joke. Most of you are probably going to know it. It's about this older Minnesota-Swedish couple. Those of you who are Swedish, don't be offended, okay? But the joke goes that, you know what? The wife looks at her husband and says, we've been married for 40 years. And 40 years ago, you told me, I love you during our wedding. And I haven't heard you say that since. You know what the punchline is, right? Well, when things change, I'll let you know. That's right. That's right. I'll let you know. But the sad part of that joke is he's missing out on opportunity. He's missing out on the opportunity to affirm his wife because words are powerful. That's what she's longing for. Paul writes the Thessalonian church, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. If you want to influence others, man, encourage them. It's amazing if you get behind somebody and say, you can do it. You are gifted. It's amazing what someone can do how you can influence and impact 
their life. So that, that's one way that if we say something, we can have an influence. Another way is when we speak good news to people. And in this sense, when we talk about good news, we're not talking about something great that happened in our lives, but the good news of God. That we've been called on this mission to not just be people of character, people of love, but people with something that matters and something to say. In Romans 10, it says this, How then can they call on the one, God, they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. If we truly care about people that are lost, people that are far from God, then we have to tell them the great news. The great news of God. The great news. So, so what is the good news? I mean, if you just take a moment, think, about, think, what is the great news that we have that we want to share? Here it is. God wants a relationship with us. God loves us. And I'm not going to look up those verses. I'm not going to read those verses. You can do that on your own. But God will forgive us of anything we've done wrong, any way we've ruined our relationship with God, any way we've damaged our relationship, any way we've distanced ourselves from God. He'll forgive us. And God is for us. He is our greatest cheerleader. That's the great news we have. In a world that I believe is desperate for good news. People that are struggling are desperate for the good news. So now I want to take you back to Jonah, who chose not to say anything. The story kind of moves forward. He ends up going on a ship. It gets wrecked. He ends up in a large fish for three days, gets spit out, and finally goes, fine, I'll go to Nineveh. And here's what he says. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. Right to the point. Right to the point. You are a wicked city, and in 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. That's what God has decided for you. So he does what he's told to do. Reluctantly. And here's the response. The people of Nineveh repented. They came before God and asked for forgiveness. And here's God's response. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that, I, that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, a God slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Well, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Now, that is the strangest conversation I have ever heard from someone back to God. I mean, think about it. 
He just saved an entire nation. They probably would have liked to make a gigantic statue of Jonah. And he's upset because God didn't wipe them out. Now the question is why? Why was he upset? Why wouldn't he be celebrating? Why wouldn't he be going, this is amazing? God has shown his love. God has shown that he desires a relationship with mankind. The bottom line is, I think, Jonah was embarrassed. He's supposed to be this prophet of God. What I say is going to happen. And it didn't happen. And he was more concerned about his own reputation than he was about those people. He missed step one on influencing others. He didn't love them. He didn't like the Assyrians. They had conquered his land. He wanted them to get exactly what they deserved. So if it was up to him, he wouldn't have influenced them. But God just kept pushing the issue. And if you read farther into this events with Jonah, God comes back and really pushes him and says, how can you not care about all these people? Because I love them. That's why I had you say something. So God calls us to say something. God calls us to speak good news. If we love others, if we have integrity, if we want to influence them, we need to take the bold, courageous step of saying something. That you may get rejected, you may, you may get humiliated, you may get mocked, you may feel an uneasy tension between that person and you for a while. But you've got to say something. And here's the last one. There are times and moments in our lives when God wants us to speak truth. When, when we see something in a person's life and we just believe God's calling us to speak truth. Now, this one out of the three, I think you have to be super careful with. I think before you think God's called you to be a truth teller, you got to make sure your heart's in the right place. You've got to go through step one that you love this person. Okay. Have you ever met a truth teller out there that didn't really love people? They just unloaded truth? Man, it's like being beat up. You know, you're just feeling pretty lousy afterwards. Even though what they said might be true, you just feel beat up. But there are moments when we're called to speak truth. Paul calls the church of Ephesus to speak truth to one another, and, and he gives them the first principle, the first requirement. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. See, without love, our voices can't be heard and our influence is lost. What we say doesn't matter. Without integrity, there's no respect. Trust fails and our influence is lost again. Without exposure, that inconvenience, our time, love and integrity are unknowns and our influence is lost. But when we put them all together, 
When we put love, integrity, and exposure with speaking, they're enhanced. Our influence is increased when we say something. Last week, Doug showed you this little picture, and he said what his comfort zone was and who he wanted to really put his time out for in that. You know, I think when it comes to say, when we have to say something, I think this is what happens. Our box gets a lot littler. The amount of people we're willing to speak into their lives gets smaller. It does for me. I'm not sure I want to take that risk. But if we're concerned about the people that are far from God, like Jonah was supposed to be concerned about the Syrians, that we're far from God, then our influence has to be with love, with respect, exposure, and words. We have to say something. So here are the implications for this message. Here's the things that I thought about. And, and it starts with going back to God. If we, if we take this back to God and think about this with God, if God wants to influence us, if God loves us, if God has integrity, God has character, if God has spoken to us, which is, which is our Bible, which is what we call the Word of God, if those are all true, how do I respond to his influence? How do we respond to his influence? Do we walk away? Do we keep in a distance? Do we embrace God? Do we search for what he has to say to us in his word? That should be the first question we ask ourselves. Are we letting God influence us? And once you've answered that question, here's what I want you to think about. Who do, you need, who do I need to encourage? Is there someone in your life that's going through a dark, difficult time that just a phone call, a card, an email, a hug, a spoken word, would be all the difference in the world for them. With whom do you need to speak truth? Is there a person that, that you're investing in their life that you know you're supposed to say something, but you've been holding off because, man, are they going to be ticked when I say it? Man, if I say something, it could jeopardize our friendship. When I was 17, I got into a massive argument with my mother. I can't remember any arguments but this one with her. And, and she was basically telling me that I was pretty much self-centered and all about me. Hard to believe a 17-year-old teenage guy was all about himself. And I said, you know, Mom, none of my friends say that. And she said, well, of course not. They're not going to say anything because they don't love you like I do. That has stuck with me, obviously. It's as fresh today as it was then when she said it. But she felt she needed to speak truth. And I did know she loved me. But I didn't want to hear it. With whom do you need to speak the good news? 
Is there somebody that you're doing life with that, that they're far from God? That you just haven't known how to broach the conversations. You haven't known if they'd, you know, be offended by the conversation. You haven't found the right moment, right opportunity for the conversation. You're not even sure if you have the right words for that conversation. If you can nail any of those right now, I think God is saying something to us. And he's given a mission for this week to us. The only question is, are we going to be like Jonah and flee? Or are we going to embrace the mission? Are we going to go out and say something this week? Let's pray. God, we thank you for how you've modeled love and character. How you've modeled influence to us that you have spoken to us. God, this week we ask that you would give us the courage to speak. That we could make a huge impact on someone's life. That's our prayer, God. In Christ's name we pray.